0: On today's episode of the LNL Podcast, Brandon and I sit down with Nate Steele. He's a regular church member at a local church in Louisville, Kentucky, and we talk to him about how he has used confessions for bringing up his own family and training them in the faith, and how he has found confessions useful in the local church context. You won't want to miss out on this episode. I'd like to welcome all of our listeners again to another episode of the London Lyceum. I'm here alongside my co-host, Brandon Askew, and I'm Jordan Stefaniak, one of your other hosts, and we're very, very excited, uh, pumped, if if that is still a cool word to use, uh, for our podcast guest today, uh, Nate Steele. He's one of my best friends. Uh, We were members of the same church when I lived in Louisville, and uh, we're really looking forward to hearing about confessionalism in both the church and the home from him today. So, Nate, why don't you give us a little introduction about who you are uh, so that our listeners can kind of have an understanding about uh, your background?
1: Absolutely. Well, I'm excited uh, to be on uh, tonight and excited for this. And I guess first and foremost, uh, I'm a fellow brother in Christ. You know, I am saved by the grace of God. I'm a husband of one wife, uh, Heather Steele. Not (laughs) two? Not two. I am uh, the father of three, uh, Rachel, who is 17, Aaron, who is 16, and Abby, who is 13. And I am a member of uh, Cedar Creek Baptist Church, uh, right outside of uh, Louisville, Kentucky.
0: Awesome. So, Nate, what do you do?
1: So, I work as a training manager and a medic uh, in the military at uh, 123rd Special Tactics uh, right here in Louisville.
0: Awesome. And Nate, tell me what's your favorite coffee?
1: Uh, my favorite coffee is Sonnergoss, for sure. Yeah, it's, me and Nate. Uh, the best coffee in Louisville.
0: Yeah, we definitely spent quite a few mornings there discussing theology. So uh, if you're ever in Louisville, you, you got to check it out. Um, they got multiple locations, but I think the one uh, on Preston Highway is, is the way to go.
1: By far the best. Absolutely.
2: All right, Nate. So let's hop into uh, a little bit of uh, theology stuff here. Let's first start off with your your Baptist identity. Were you raised a Baptist or how did you, if not, how did you become a Baptist? And uh, second part of that question, how old were you when you really got interested in studying theology?
1: Well, um, I was not raised a Baptist. Uh, I am a Baptist by pure provenance. Uh, so I, I grew up in a megachurch environment, you know, in the Northwest, you know, in uh, Spokane, Washington, you know, their seeker-sensitive movement kind of has Christianity lock, stock, and barrel. So in that type of environment, you know, uh, pastors are very dynamic. You know, they're kind of the local rock stars, if you will. Um, You know, and and in that, you know, environment, that's, that's where I grew up. And You know, it was all of the messages were about, you know, what God could do for you, you know, how he could make you better, how he could better your finances, uh, you know, how he could prepare you to be married, you know, how he could fix your relationships. And uh, it wasn't until I uh, got saved, joined the military, and was stationed at uh, uh, Wright Patterson Air Force Base, Ohio, where I attended a Baptist church. It was First Baptist Fairborn. And it was a church uh, right there uh, close to the base uh, that I attended. And, and I just remember that experience being just very weird <laughs> so, coming, coming from the Northwest. Uh, the, the preaching was different. Uh, the music was definitely different. Um, it, was, it was strange that they would sing out of this strange book that you know, was not the Bible, but kind of like the Bible, kind of held in the same reverence. And, you know, they, they, for whatever reason, never sang the third stanza of, of any song in that book. And uh, I, I just remember really not appreciating, um, you know, that initially. But I, I kind of grew to uh, love the hymns over time. So it was just uh, by way of God's leading. Uh, that I kind of ended up in a Baptist church.
0: When did you actually become so interested in theology in general?
1: Uh, well, that wasn't until really much later. So when I got saved, um, one of the first uh, things that happened to me was just a desire for God's word, and so I just remember, you know, um, reading for hours and hours at a time. I, I just started at Genesis one and um, was pouring over Scripture. Sometimes I'd read Scripture you know, six, eight, sometimes even 10 hours a day. It was, it was like I was, you know, walking through the desert and I was parched and I, I finally found water. And so um, not being a man who enjoyed reading at all, uh, by the grace of God and just his work um, in my life, I finished the Bible in about six months' uh, time. And so I was—I uh, I loved— you know, the things that I was learning from the Word of God, but really enjoying theology was not something that I really enjoyed until um, I kind of met Jordan, we started meeting for coffee, we started talking about a little bit more, kind of deepening uh, our discussion about the things of God. That's kind of when uh, my uh, desire, you know for um, theology kind of kind of bloomed. It was really at that point.
0: That's fascinating. I I remember sitting in your house and you talking about how you wanted to learn more. And I immediately found a book and was like, do you want to read this? And and it it was a Christian dogmatics book edited by Wayne and Allen. So I think there's like, you started there. Yeah, that's where we started. (laughs) Oh my goodness.
1: Jumped right in the deep end. I commend that book to you,
0: by the way. I'll put it in the show notes. I'm going to type a little note to myself to remind you to get that book. Um, so what was your experience yeah. then with reading groups and like, how do you think that that helped particularly the local church context? So I'm setting this question up this way because uh, partly I want to encourage our listeners to institute types of reading groups in their local churches because I think they help. So me and you, we were part of several reading groups where we were reading different books. We read, you know, the the, the Christian Dogmatics book. We read All That Is in God by by James Dozzle. We read uh, we read what Augustine's uh, work on the Trinity. So, w- walk me through how those were helpful and what 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 was good about them, what was bad about them, and why should churches institute these types of things?
1: Well, I I think churches should because. Uh, pastors who are training, like I, I think, you know, being in in Louisville and having a seminary here, it was great to have seminary students and members of, of the church who had formal theological training like yourself. You know, so so I knew, you know, kind of in a, in a good sense that that you were already going to be able to bring some really good books. You know, I didn't have to go to Barnes and Nobles or go on to Amazon.com and then, and sift through all of these these books to try to kind of find the right ones and so and that that was great so i could just lean on you my fellow church brother you know, a man who is uh, graduated from southern seminary and so i knew that that the books that you would bring would be would be good books you know it was there were books that i could i could trust and and lean on and it was great to be able to get together in a small group because we could kind of pace it out in a way that was beneficial for everybody. You know, I could pause and, and ask questions and we can discuss things. And if I had um, a misunderstanding about something, uh, you know, it was great to be able to kind of talk through that and, and to see where, you know, I might be off a little bit. So it was, yeah, I, I just re- really remember those times and how uh, beneficial and meaningful that they've really been to my, my growth in the faith.
0: That's awesome. And, you know, oftentimes we would use um, like the Second London Confession of Faith to kind of supplement and guide some of our thinking. Um, how did that impact you? Uh, it, did it Was it a positive thing? Was it kind of neutral? Or, or how did that, I guess, um, influence you?
1: No, no, it was actually very, very positive. So it began kind of this uh this thinking for me as okay as as a father i want to make sure that when my, my kids leave the house that they know certain things about their faith and so this was you know the second london uh, confession of faith 1689 was just was great because i knew that it was just it was very systematic it just kind of walked through like hey this is what we believe about the bible And, uh, so it was, it was good for me to, to think, and I'm actually using it now in, in my home and we're walking through them. We're not very far. Uh, I think we're on article number four, uh, which is, which is creation. But any, any time that we, that we pause for a night and we go over these, these articles, I mean, this discussions will last, you know, probably an hour and a half or two hours. Uh, there's a lot of just great family discussion. And so, my, my goal is is that by walking through these over this next year, you know, that uh, my children will, will be able to stand and they'll, they'll know what they believe about creation. They'll know what they believe about election. They'll know what they believe about the sacraments, you know. And so I think it's, it's been really, really helpful for me, um, you know, just to supplement uh, their faith and, and grow them up in Christ.
2: So to, to stay on this topic of confessionalism, you know, as, as a father, what are like, how do you approach that practically to, like, for instance, what I'm thinking of here is like, do you have, you know, like Thursday nights or our, our nights that we, we read out of the confession or, or do you just, whenever time is self in the firm and the schedule that I hear different people, um, approach it a different way. I mean, some, some families try to do this every day, some families shoot for three days a week, once a week. Um, so how, how do you approach it practically? And I guess maybe it's a little bit different for you because you have, you have older kids. So, um, maybe it's, it's different for a, a father that has teenagers than, you know, like I have a, a two year old. So, um, it's difficult just to get him to sit down for five minutes, but, um, so just, you know, interested, I'm just interested in how you, how you plan it out.
1: Yeah. And that, that is actually really been the tough thing. Um, especially now as the kids are involved in activities, Uh, so the fall has been very challenging and to be honest with you, we haven't, we haven't actually, uh, done this in about a month. So that was good to, to, for this, you know, you know, to be a reminder, you know, for me that we need to get back on it. It was a little easier during the summertime. So we would, we would do it. We were kind of walking through it about, uh, one of these articles every, you know, two weeks. Uh, so we kind of started this summer and then. You know, it gets it definitely gets more difficult, uh, especially with my time in the military too. There's weeks that I need to be uh, pulled away, so so my goal is is to try to march them out whenever we can. So the weekends are, are definitely kind of the better um, time to be able to do it. You know, with kids' activities. Yeah, I have a daughter in ballet. You know, kids in soccer. Uh, it, makes it makes it really difficult. So the, we really try to take advantage of, of the weekends. So Saturdays or Sundays, you know, in the, in the Saturday mornings when we first get up, sometimes we'll go to uh, Center Goss. We'll go to Nord's. We'll get a dozen donuts, which is right next to Center Goss. It's like the best one-two punch in Louisville. And then we'll come home, and then we'll just spend some time going through these articles or, or going through uh, devotional if we don't do that. So uh, really just trying to capitalize on the weekends as is, is, is much as we can.
2: So just to um, maybe dig down one one layer deeper, let's just say, all right, you got your doughnuts, you're back. Everybody's gathered in the same room. What is what does it look like from from A to Z? Obviously, you don't have to give us every detail, okay. but I mean, yeah, yeah. Like, do you read it out loud, and then say, do you have questions? Do you guys sing together? Do you pray together? Um, uh, how does that work?
1: Um, well, sometimes we'll sing. So we actually have a piano uh, in our living room now. So my wife might uh start out we, we don't typically have that scripted out that she'll actually sing a song but she loves to play uh the piano and she has her hymn book out uh which is uh fairly often but right now we're actually using the baptist confession of faith 1689 uh updated in english with notes by peter masters so we're using that particular book And so we just take an article and we just kind of walk through, and the way that he has his articles broken up is they're kind of broken up in different segments. So each paragraph is numbered um, as we walk through. So we'll read um, that paragraph section, uh, number two, number four, whatever it is, and then we'll read all of the scripture verses associated with that. So that's where um, the kids really kind of participate. So they all have their Bibles open and then they'll each take a scripture verse. So they're each reading a scripture verse at a time. And we'll, we'll typically kind of go round and round and I'll read scripture as well. My wife will read scripture and, and then we'll just kind of discuss it. And then towards the end, we'll just pray about all of it and just pray that, you know, God would solidify these things in our hearts and in our minds. And, uh, and, and we can, you know, seek to try to put them into action as much as possible. So sometimes, um, you know, there's the ability to do that. Sometimes there's not, uh, just depending upon the subject. Um, but that's, that's typically how it flows for us. And, there's, and, and so far, this particular book has probably spurred more family conversation uh, than any of the other books that we've done so far. Um, it's just really interesting. Sometimes it'll go down some little rabbit trails and uh, different discussions will break out and we'll have to kind of rein them back in. Uh, but it's, it's, it's really neat to see where the Holy Spirit takes this and, um, and what conversations come out you know, amongst our family.
0: Yeah, that was kind of something I was going to ask was how this type of, I guess, discipleship differs from things you've done in the past, um, number one. And I guess number two, for those who are intimidated by using a confession, uh, is it really that difficult? Or, or can anyone really pick this up and actually use it with their family?
1: Oh, I think anybody can really pick it up and and use it with their family. I think I think the good thing that I love about it is it really kind of feeds a um, a god-centered theology. You know, I think oftentimes in our Christian world today there's there's these two gospels that are always vying for our attention, you know, a god-centered gospel and then a man-centered gospel. So most most of the books that are out there um, that really engage uh, teenagers are kind of more about uh, about them, if you will. You know how how they can navigate through the difficulties of life. You know how they can maintain their faith in college. You know how they can um, share their faith. You know, um, and so so this is this is one of those things where it's just so. I mean, it's really it's really God centered, God focused. You, you know, you know, in its totality. And so that's what's kind of great about it, because it's all about Scripture and what Scripture says, you know, for us. And there's implications that come out from that. But, you know, the thing I, I love about it most is it really puts God front and center, you know, of, of all of our discussion, uh, which which we need.
2: Just out of curiosity, did you use any catechisms alongside the confessions as your kids were growing up?
1: We did not. So we, um, I, we looked into that... And there was, there was other books that my wife you know actually used uh, in our children's upbringing. There was a Names of God you know that she uh, book that she used and and it talked about each name of God and, and theology that was kind of related to that name and something that they could really grab onto you know as they were um, growing up. So we, we use some other, other things during the time in looking back, if I, if I had it to do over again, I definitely would have used the shorter catechisms with my kids and I would have taught them early. And I think that would have actually furthered the discussion that we're having now, you know, they would have kind of had those, um, building blocks kind of cemented, you know, in their mind, and then we could kind of flush these out with greater discussion now. So looking back, um, I definitely would have done it and I encourage, uh, fathers now to if they're if they're not thinking that way to to definitely look at the shorter catechisms as as a means of discipling their their families for sure.
0: Yeah, that's I, I obviously agree with that. And encourage all of our listeners, whether you're a, a father or a mother or not yet, to think that way about how you train your family and your children. Um, Nate, one thing that's unique about you that I don't think any of our past guests have had is a military background. And I, I wanted to ask you this just because I think it's so blatant in scripture at times where like in second Timothy two, Paul said is telling us how to be a Christian. He says, no soldier gets entangled in civilian pursuits since his aim is to please the one who enlisted him. So it seems that in some ways being a soldier is almost a metaphor for the Christian life. So, um, is there anything, any way, the military has really shaped your theology in a particular way?
1: Um, well, I would say, you know, as as we look at Scripture, God, uh, Paul, I mean, he used the military to shape our theology, just in the way that Scripture kind of you know unfolded in, in the epistles. Um, you know, he uses you know things from Second Timothy two, you know, Ephesians six thirteen, you know, the armor of God, Philippians four twelve. Titus 1.16. I mean, it's just kind of all over. He's using these examples of that God has placed in his life, you know, these Roman soldiers in specific, and he's borrowing uh, from that imagery to explain something about God. And so, um, yeah, so for me, I've, I've really, you know, been able to look at where God has placed me, and, and a lot of things have just, you know, flushed out to really help my understanding of theology in the church. Um, I would say the first uh, one is, is just understanding kind of the the chain of command, you know, and that is, is that Christ, he's the ultimate commander. You know, he is the King of Kings and he's the Lord of Lords and there is none other than him. And I would say the elders and, and pastors are, are, are kind of like captains or, or, colonels, if you will, um, so they are taking uh, the mission uh, from above. You know, they're taking the mission from Christ. They're taking the Word of God, and they're they're handing it down, and they're they're giving it uh, to us. And so, yeah, I, I think deacons, they they're very much kind of like your, um, you know, NCOs or non-commissioned officers uh, in charge. Your your senior, you know, NCOs. They're they're making sure that that the, that the church is cared for, you know? Um, and so, you know, in that, uh, you know, elders, you know, their desires to to lead and serve in, in teaching and preaching, uh, deacons, you know, acts of service. And, you know, I just believe that we, the church, we're a theocracy, not a democracy. And we need to listen to our pastors and we need to receive their teaching and their preaching. And, uh, you know, I, I think that that's, that's something that we should do. And I, so in the military, I, I see this as not being a problem, <laughs> you know, I go into work and there's a sense of which, you know, the, the commands are and the mission is being, is coming down from higher. Um, we know that it's good and right for us, you know, and so we just, we respond and we move and we do it what needs to be done. And, and so, so I, if, so for me, that kind of plays out really naturally, um, you know, I really want to, you know, follow, you know, my leaders is, you know, as, is as much as we can. And, you know, I think in that too, you know, uh, a a good leader, a good pastor is defined by if he's, you know, uh, acting and teaching in, in accordance with scripture, you know, so just like in the military, if, if a commanding officer were to ask you to do something that would be, you know, illegal, immoral um, against regulation. I mean, you, you know, as a member of the military, I'm I'm required not to follow that order. Um, but you know, if, if it is in accordance with, um, good order and and discipline and, and according to the laws of armed conflict or whatever it may be, you know, I'm required to just respond and to, and to comply. And so I think understanding that relationship has been really helpful for me um So I kind of and I, I kind of get that from you know Matthew eight uh, five through thirteen and that's the where 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 Jesus comes across the centurion I, I don't I'm sh- I'm sure you guys remember that story and um the centurion comes across Jesus and he you know, he has a servant who is deathly ill and needs to be healed and and so you know basically I, I think Jesus was like well let me come to your home and he's like hey I'm I'm, you are, basically, I'm unfit for you to come to my home. I'm a commanding officer, you know, people do what I tell them to do, you know, just say the word and, and I I know that he will be healed. You know, Jesus responded, like, I've seen no one with faith like this, you know, uh, in in all the land. And so, and so, you know, for me, that's where I kind of get that, that image. And then the next thing is just the understanding of the plurality of elders. You know, I think, the di- dynamic between um, you know, like a commander and his chiefs, you know, he's surrounding himself uh, with good counsel, and it's always like that in the military. In, in, in the army side, you know, those would be the sergeant majors, and so you never really see a commanding officer making decisions without a sergeant majors or without his chiefs, you know, in the room. They're always there to be a sounding board. They're always there to to give him insight to basically help him take um, whatever the mission is, whatever the seed is, and to find ways to till this into the hearts of the rest of the soldiers, uh, whatever whatever that would be. And so, um, you know, there's there's tons of Proverbs that speak to this, you know, a wise counsel, you know, there's Proverbs twelve fifteen. you know, the way of a, of a fool seems right in his own eyes, but the the wise man listens to advice, you know, Proverbs, you know, eleven fourteen, where there's guidance of people falls, but in an abundance you know, of counselors, there is safety. You know, Proverbs 15, 22, without counsel plans fail, but with many advisors they succeed. And so, you know, I and you know, Proverbs 28, 26, 13, 10, you know, you also have James 3:17, but the wisdom from above is first pure, then peaceable, gentle, open to reason, full of mercy and good fruits, impartial and sincere. And so, you know, that's that's really kind of helped me see, you know, when I look at my commander and I see him, you know, bringing his chiefs into the room and the other, uh, maybe my director of operations or other, you know, key officers, and they are... Discussing things and they're they're working things out. It's just a it's just a beautiful picture, you know, to me of like, oh, that's what it looks like in a church when I see, uh, the leaders, the pastors of the church getting together, the leaders of the church getting together. They're they're basically conducting the the same business, you know, taking care of the mission um, and taking care of, of of the church, taking care of the men, and so, so those two pictures have been. Uh, really helpful to me, and then you mentioned you know Second Timothy, so um, you know being in the military is a, is a life of self denial and discipline. You know if if you want to be you know a good soldier or a good airman um, or a good sailor, you know. So looking to apply these these disciplines, I've, I've looked. Okay, how is it that I can, you know, look at the my spiritual life in this way? Like for example, I I. I'm required to work out. I mean, I I have to, you know, every year, um, I have physical fitness tests that I have to take and then I get scored and rated based on that. Every month, um, there's, uh, challenges, team challenges that I, that I have to conduct and uh, we're kind of racked and stacked with everybody else who does these challenges. And so, so I can't just do whatever I want. You know, I can't not go to the gym. I can't not run. You know, my body has to be in, in peak uh, phys- physical conditioning. And then I also have to kind of watch what I put into my body. <laughs> so uh, It's not that I can't eat pizza or I can't, you know, go crush a bunch of wings, you know, one day. But, you know, I can't do that every day. And I have to be careful of, of what I ingest or what I take in. So, you know, I ask myself, well, what, what does that look like spiritually, you know, for me? You know, what is, what, how is it that I can apply these disciplines and look at my faith, you know, in this way, you know, in, in regards to prayer, in regards to scripture reading, you know, there's like in the military, these, there's these SOPs that we have to, we have to memorize. Uh, and it's a way that in which we conduct business when we go out on, on an operation or we're doing something. And, and so, you know, okay, what does that, what does that look like in regards to, um, you know, how I view scripture, uh, you know, how I memorize scripture. And so, and so there's, there's been that, that that dynamic, and it's really um, kind of played into my understanding. You know, one one of the things I've thought about too is 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 the pararescue rescue creed. Um, you know, their their creed is: it is my duty as a pararescue man to save life and aid the injured. I will be prepared at all times to perform my assigned duties quickly and efficiently, placing these duties above personal desires and comforts. These things I do that others may live. And I, I think about that creed and I think, well, that's almost the creed of a Christian or it should be right. So, so there's these, these really neat parallels that God has been able to use to borrow. And, you know, I want to qualify something here. So I am not a special operator. And so these are the guys that, that I work with, and these are the guys that I serve. Um, but God has used those, their lives and, and their examples and, and, and really put them on display for me in uh, very neat and unique ways. And then the last one, and I'm, I've actually been kind of dwelling upon this, is just our waging a war against sin. You know, I've uh, John Owens, I read his book uh, over this past year, uh, Mortification of Sin. And it was just so eye opening. And I thought, man, somebody needs to write like a modern day version of that book. And just so how it's like so necessary that understanding today. And that is, you know, using everything at our disposal, you know, to wage, uh, you know, violence against the enemy, you know, to approach the enemy with violence of action uh, for its destruction. and I'm thinking like, okay, what does what does that look like in my own life? What is, what does it mean to prosecute the sin in my own life to its furthest end? And, you know, in the military, we use everything at our, at our disposal, you know, intelligence, you know, our eyes and ears are constantly open. You know, we're doing surveillance. We're trying to figure out what, what the enemy's doing. You know, how are they trying to trip us up? You know, how is it that they're trying to ambush us or prevent us from doing, you know, you know, conducting our mission, you know, communications, you know, everything that's involved in to make sure that we can communicate clearly and effectively. You know, we always have um, QRF that's on standby our quick response force, uh, you know, which we can call at any time, you know, in a moment's notice and we have additional aid and we have additional help that's either coming from the sky or it's coming from the ground or, or whatever. So I, you know, ask myself, what, what does that look like? Do I, do I have a group of men on standby to come to my aid and to pray for me, you know, to bear, help bear my burdens to, uh, that I can expose my sin to, you know, and, and seek forgiveness and, and walk in repentance. Um, you know, what does it, what does it look like to, you know, to remove anything in my life that would lead down a a path that would, you know, draw me away from the things of God or draw me to the world, you know, in, in a sense. And so, so that you know I've been thinking about that you know everything that that our guys do to dominate and destroy the enemy and and thinking like okay well what does that what does that mean for the prosecution of of sin in my own life and and I get this picture from Psalm like you know 139 uh, 23 and 24 and that's where you know, David is 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 saying here, "Show me my sin, so you know." Like I, I think he's saying, "Show me my sin, so I can so I can kill it." <laughs> you know, is uh, you know, basically, you know, see if there be any unrighteous way in me. And I don't think he's saying that from a from a prideful standpoint. I think he's 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 walking in such a way where he's wants to mortify anything that would draw him away from from God, and so. Um, yeah these are the these things that have been really helpful. That's all that's me.
0: those are I think really helpful analogies for, you know, drawing between the military and the Christian life. Um, I think they are going to be beneficial to those who listen just to, cause I mean, God, I think is divinely put uh, particular things in this life to show who he is and how we should function. And I think these are just more examples of God's divine intention and in how he's created the world, how he's created the order so that we can see, uh, how we should be living our lives as Christians. So Nate, I'm curious for those who want to get in contact with you, those who want to follow what you're doing, where can they find you? Is that possible?
1: Well, well, I would say um, there's really, there's really no way to follow me. I'm not really out there in any way. Um, You know, I'm just, I'm a a member of Cedar Creek. So I guess if you're in Louisville and you want a great cup of coffee, uh, maybe you're coming to the seminary uh, because there's some sort of, an event going on uh you're coming into town for t4g uh you know hit me up on on facebook you know you can contact the offices of cedar creek and and i'll take you to the the best coffee in louisville we'll go grab a donut from nords while you're here and uh and you know we can talk or 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 have a convo but i'm not really out there in any any sense sense of the word and uh but it's it's really great um to hear your voice, Jordan, and, uh, to be back in touch with you on, even if it's on the show, brother. So,
0: well, well, there you have it. If you're going to T4G, Nate's going to buy you a donut. <laughs> so, uh- one thing I love about having people, uh, all that different types of people on the show is we get a lot of different perspectives to think theologically. How do we live the Christian faith uh, in a way that's confessional, in a way that's particularly Baptist, in a way that's doing, uh, using analytic theology for the betterment of our own spirituality? And Nate, I think you've kind of touched on all these things in, in this discussion, and we've been really uh, blessed to have you on. Um, and for our listeners, as I always sign off now... You've been listening to the only analytic Baptist and confessional podcast on the planet, and we encourage you to find a cold, frosty beverage, whatever that may be, and uh, discuss these confessions with your family, with your friends, and see how they can encourage you in your own Christian growth and faith.